0: Yeah, I think what you just named is one of the most powerful the the capacity to ask a question or lay an idea down in the center and then sit down and wait and see what emerges building the capacity to be in the discomfort of that silence.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Disrupting Our Practice. I'm Shannon Patterson
0: and I'm Greg Flynn. This podcast is for white-bodied leadership and organization development consultants, facilitators, coaches, and trainers.
1: This is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exploration of how we practitioners can disrupt our practices, those practices where we are unwittingly perpetuating racism, oppression, and harm. And it's all in service to being able to co-create a culture of equity, justice, and healing so we live in a world that truly works for everyone.
0: Thanks for joining us as we work to disrupt our practice. Hey, Greg. Hey, Shannon.
1: <laughs> uh, nice to connect with you. I think we're I'm not sure why you're giggling. I'm just giggling at the, we're talking about what we're going to talk about. And then it's like, just hit record. <laughs> so here we are. What are you giggling
0: about? You're giggling.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: that's, well. that's it, yeah. It's good to be here. It's good to be here with you, though.
1: Good to be here with you, too. We were just um, I was sharing with Greg, you know, just to speak to our fellow listeners about that part of me that always wants to connect the dots and be coherent and tell you listeners, like, what this podcast has to do with disrupting our practice. And I'm like, oh, just hit record, because we started getting into... Whether that was even necessary or valuable, so yeah here we exactly.
0: are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit behind about the, the the conversation that happens before the conversation.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, why don't we why don't we check in and then we can talk a little bit about what the what's orienting this conversation to where, sure. where it will likely go? And
1: yeah, um,
0: I think you checked in last time first, so I'll check in first this time. If that's wow, what a, you.
1: what a memory! Yeah, I'd love to hear All it. Right. How you' you doing? What's moving around in you today?
0: I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but I can remember that sort of thing yeah yeah thanks shannon i am um I'm feeling really good right now i'm I'm noticing a levity that's kind of emerged in the last fifteen or so minutes um, mm. I'm feeling yeah, I'm feeling really grounded and here and connected, which is a little different from the the morning I had, which w- felt started off pretty okay and then got a little hectic. I went in mm. to get a, I had a, like a really small little thing to go talk to a doctor about. And I thought I would be there for 10 minutes and it turned into a 40 minute thing because I was waiting for a an immunization. Oh. Um, and they, they, I think they forgot about me or something. And so uh, <laughs> it just kind of compressed my morning. And, yeah. And uh, that, so I was a little harried, but but now I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really clear and grounded and here and emotionally elevated and my spirit's feeling alive and and good. And yeah, that's me. How about you? Mm. Are you checking in?
1: Good to be with you, Greg. I really appreciate you naming levity. I appreciate your whole check-in. It feels a lot like my morning in some ways, just Mm. kind of like energetically um, started off feeling like grounded and connected and, you know, had to do a little bit of work this morning, but it felt like good and meaningful and had a meaningful connection with someone around that work. And, mm. and then just had to like up and leave Jonathan's and drive to my house and was kind of running late. And um, it's a beautiful outside. So I could feel myself begin to feel scattered and a little resentful. Like I just want to mm. take my floaty down to the lake and um, <laughs> <laughs> go out there and, and, life is feeling full and wonderful and our work and partnership and everything is feeling full and wonderful. So it's just sort of all true at once. And Mm. I think I've learned that all that energy can lead to me feeling a lot of capacity. And I've, I'm learning that underneath that when I, when my like little bits of resentment or scatteredness are like Mm. quick to come to the surface, it means that I'm lower in capacity than I realize. Mm. So I'm just, I'm, tracking that and feeling grateful for that but i'm totally up for this conversation and and seeing where we go.
0: Yes. Yeah. Maybe you can take your floaty down to the lake later today. Yeah.
1: So i have a equivalent happy hour equivalent. <laughs> so not quite the same, but sort of the same. <laughs> Different kind of happy hour. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Appreciate that. Uh so what what we had decided where we landed was to kind of connect around a a podcast that we listened to the different podcast than this one. Um, <laughs> that was kind of
1: funny if we listened to our own and commented, and commented on our own, out. but I think we have done that actually <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after Adam visited anyway,
0: little, little meta, little meta, um, podcast series. no. So, so, and, and this pod, this particular podcast, um, is, was related to an event that happened last weekend, the, um, on the 25th of June, um, actually it was the 24th and 25th of June, um, down in Los Angeles called three black men. Um, and there's, if for folks are all playing along at home and want to, Explore it, you can go to threeblackmen.com and learn a little bit about it there. But the high level is that's three three men, three wonderful, fantastic teachers and activists and uh, just amazing men. Um, uh, Rezma Menachem, who we reference quite frequently um, on this podcast, who is a, a black um, somatic therapist from. Uh, Minneapolis, I believe, uh, who wrote My Grandmother's Hands and a number of other books that we reference. Bio Okumalafe, who I believe is from Ghana um, in Africa. And he is a, I think he's by by training, he's a clinical psychologist and a, a formerly practicing clinical psychologist. He's a PhD. He teaches at universities and does research and is an amazing writer and speaker and and um i can't possibly yeah speak more highly of 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 the kind of the work that's coming out of all three of these guys but and then um then the third man is a man named orland bishop who i believe is from uruguay and um is black-bodied man who runs an organization called the shade tree foundation i believe which does some work with youth and I think does work with, um, gangs in Los Angeles and then, and runs mentorship programs and, and in his own way, a remarkable spiritual and, uh, uh, and political teacher. Um, he has a fantastic book called, um, something about seven gates. I can't remember what exactly what it's called. It's really good. So these three guys were getting together to have a conversation. Um, Saturday was all with black-bodied men. And then Sunday was open to the general public and they did a this podcast on Tammy Simon's podcast, right? With insights at the edge, the sounds true, um, uh, sounds true podcast, um, about this event and about the work that they're doing. So we, we both have listened to this podcast and, um, wanted to kind of talk a little bit about what was coming up there. And I am now realizing how long I've been talking. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Shannon, and let you take it.
1: Uh, thanks, Greg. I don't know where I'm taking it. Um, one thing I think that felt interesting is I think one of the, the bylines of the tour, or, uh, I don't know exactly where it fits, but I've seen it around related to the tour is, um, that it's three black men, a conversation on trauma ritual and the promise of the monstrous. Uh, and you know, as Tammy Simon says in the podcast, like, of course that got, her attention. It got my attention as well. Um, And I think you and I, before we were talking was like, well, what is the connection? You know, here we are speaking to, uh, you know, folks who are in leadership development, organization development, leaders, any, any white body person who controls space formally or informally. um, And like, what might this have to do with, with things. And that's where we were saying, like, I don't know that you need to connect the dots. Um, and I really appreciated what you said, which was listening to a podcast like this and their conversation, like invites us to a whole new way of thinking, um, of feeling of seeing of relating. And that was definitely my thought when I was listening, listening to them. Um, and frequently too, when I listen to uh, bio on, Many of his other podcasts, it's just like, wow, that disrupts everything for me. Mm-hmm. Every assumption, every worldview, every even word, like monstrous, like right down to that level. Hearing them talk mm-hmm. about what that means and what it invites us to is incredibly disruptive in in all the necessary and wonderful ways. And I, I feel like I can't get enough of that kind of disruption, um, Mm -hmm. in my life. And through trying to have more and more and more of that, it, it, I think the other thing I've been thinking about the last few days is, you know, how the, this work is like our own personal work. And then Mm -hmm. it begins to, as you personally are disrupted internally in all sorts of ways, then that begins to have me think about my work differently. And then my me differently, my life differently than my consulting, differently than my meeting design, differently. So it's not like I can just say, Hey, this podcast is about how to think about creating a safe space or whatever. It's just not that directive or causal. So, yeah, curious what kind of you would say into that or what that sparks for you.
0: The thing that really stood out was when you said, You know, this is this is like like my work and then you know the, how it how it then impacts the the work that we're doing one of the things that i hear in in what i hear those these three men talking about and just writing about in general is the the reality that uh, everything that we're doing is intertwined in one way or another and so like if you if if i'm engaged in this work and you're engaged in this work we're connected in that and we tend to think about things through the lens of individual, you know, the individual. And one of the things I hear them pointing to is not just the idea or the philosophical notion of, of inner connection and the collective, the collective nature, but the actual like rooted in science Mm. aspect of that, you know, and Mm -hmm. they, they, I mean, bio brought that in into the, in the, in the larger day long session that I, I got to to listen to most of it because part of it, I couldn't hear because they, there were some problems with the, the live stream. And I just today actually got an email from, um, the organization with a link to the recordings. So I'm going to get hmm. to go back and, and review all that. But he brought in this really interesting phenomena of this, black hole that's like 80 billion miles away or something from the earth hmm. maybe more it's a lot a far away that 200 years ago there was like a like it like a, the way it was it was described it's like it woke up and when it woke up it made this song this noise came from it and only recently and they just published this apparently like a couple of weeks ago um was the sound picked up by, um, by, you know, our earth, you know, our whatever scientists picked up this sound. Wow. And he talks about how this, this happened 200 years ago and 200 years ago, he's like, what was happening in, in this country? Mm -hmm. Right. We were, we were, if, if we were doing anything, we were doubled down on the idea of, um, there's a people who should be so dehumanized that we can own them. Mm-hmm. Right. That was like a, a normal thing <laughs> in the day to day, you know, and he's like, and this thing happened 200 years ago. Right. At the same time, he's like, he's like in his mind, these two things are, are not unconnect- are unrelated. Right. They're connected. And, you know, and he's like, how else would you think of a, black hole other than monstrous right what do we know about black holes you just gotta stay away from them right like this big dark blackness in the center of (laughs) basically the like the heart of the solar system or so i don't know exactly where it is but it's like right you know and so that's like one of those like big zoom outs that on some level i can imagine the like the listener going like oh this is getting weird hitting pause or stop or whatever. <laughs> right. But like the invitation to actually like take a step back and go like, where does this start and end? You mm. know? And with like, when we talk about like, what is my role and how do I, what do I, you know, I can't, do, am I going to do anything that matters? Where does that all start and end? And how can we point to and say with any sort of definitive idea, like I, that my action will not matter. You right. Know? And, and so there's a mm-hmm. way in which the idea of like when I think about what does it mean to disrupt my practice and to actually like go and do my work in a different way, I can think about that through the lens of methods and approaches and making sure all the voices are heard and all of those things, which are important. But I can also think about it through the lens of like what are the what are the ripples that are being sent out that will be picked up, you know, mm-hmm. by some instrument 200 years from now. What are we doubling down on? Mm.
1: What are we doubling down on? And the, the, they also talk about in the podcast, the collapse of the past, present and future. Like that, those are all one thing. Uh, And, you know, what you're describing reminds me of that too. Like not only the getting out of such a concrete, literal present relationship to the to how I might make a difference and how we might make a difference you know to to we just don't it's all and how the past is still present here today and how our present is you know forecasting ourselves into the future if we don't you know disrupt and it's all the future is already here you know by what we choose to do and not do and be and not be uh and it also makes me think about in that in the podcast they were talking about how so often we approach trauma as something to be fixed, right? And instead of to be metabolized, so we show up to places looking for the fix. Yep. And even they said, you know, we show up looking for the the healing. Let me get the fix and let me find the growth and let me do the thing that leads to the healing in that, that there's an even more different orientation to take, which is to metabolize, mm-hmm. Um, and to, to be with, to not deny, to not push away and, you know, related to the monstrous and, and I'll save that for different, but even that for me is just in my practice, it's like not having things be problems all the time. Hmm. Right. And that there's not, maybe there's nothing to be solved or resolved or action itemed or. (laughs) <laughs> initiated maybe there's just something to be with um and through the being with of it being with it together something gets metabolized that makes something else possible you know and that's just i feel relief in my body when i hear that hmm. uh in some ways from my own experiences but it's also as a consultant you know you and i've run into this one where it's like well the conversation is the outcome mm-hmm. right um and we're just gonna do that and be here in these conversations and more deeply slowed down ways and that's that's what we're doing we're metabolizing and Mm -hmm. kind of blows people's minds and yeah we can get really stuck right there
0: yeah the the urge to make things go away is Mm -hmm. very strong i mean it shows up in all parts of our lives right like we you get, we get sick. We want it to go away.
1: Right. We want to feel better, right? We want our
0: heart, we get our heart broken. We, right. We, yeah, we want to feel better. We want, so, you know, like it shows up in all kinds of ways numbing out and. Yeah. Distractive, distractive behaviors and all of that. What is it to actually, this is, I've thought for a long time, you know, like that may be one of the, one of the reasons we go to fixing so quickly. One of the reasons that that's a, a, a like a, a trope or a stereotype within, you know, in, within white spaces, in white bodied folks, um, and I would say particularly in white men, like this is a, the fixing thing is like a really a huge thing. It's really hard sometimes to have a conversation. This is one of the things we work on in the men's work stuff that I do is like supporting guys and just listening and not having to have like an opinion, mm-hmm. you know, or like, or like, tell me what to do about it. You know, um, it's something I know I've had to work on a lot myself. But what if what if the reason we go to that is because the pain of just being with it is so great? To actually sit with the reality that the people of color in your organization or in the sessions that you have facilitated in your work, in your career, have been harmed in those spaces. To sit with the reality that things that we have done and said and designs we've created and questions we've asked and, uh, breakout groups we've put together and like all the, all the little things, follow-up emails, the follow-up emails we didn't send, the follow-up question we didn't ask the person we called on instead of, you know, like leaping over, like has caused harm, has caused pain, like, like in a real way, not in like a, you know, some sort of, but like actually like been, been one of the, or many of the thousands of little micro cuts and some of them not so micro that have actually caused somebody to go home in tears again. Right. Like I'm actually, as I'm saying that, I'm just feeling my heart just break, you know, but it's a reality. Yeah. And so what is it to actually sit with that and to actually let it work us? Mm -hmm. Not as a way of not doing things differently, but in order to be able to actually do things differently in a meaningful way.
1: Well, just to sit, sit and feel and breathe. Yeah. I mean, and not as a way to, I feel like I hear clients in my head, you know, stew in it or have a gripe session or, you know, whatever, wallow. Oh, yeah. It's like all of those things that get assigned to just being.
0: I think the thing is though, is we don't know how to a lot of the times really to just sit with it. And so it becomes a gripe session. It becomes complaining, which just is a reinforcing loop.
1: Yeah. I think that's why the listening sessions, you know, or the scratch counseling, I think we've referred to it in both ways here and really learning to listen deeply and sit with and reflect back and not help and not be useful and not coach and you know, but just to be feels so important because then in those spaces I've at least known to do nothing. In a way that felt present, I hope. Right. So I think the you mentioned white men and where they can go and you know, where white women can go in terms of, you know, people pleasing and accommodating and, you know, mm-hmm. over comforting or disappearing. You know, you know, just going quiet, um, like feeling, feeling myself develop other ways to be, and just to be with being really uncomfortable with something. Mm-hmm. You know, not go into any of those kind of reactive, emotionally defensive behaviors. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, it's interesting, right? Because so back to the podcast, and you know, you were talking about the monstrous. Mm. You know it's one of the things I hear in that, right? Is I wish I'd pulled up the notes I took. There's a great quote from bio in that in that podcast that I that I used in my newsletter, um but I don't have easy access to it. Um but you know, part of what I hear in it is like the way he describes it is like the monstrous is I think he says like the monstrous is a fissure. Mm-hmm. It's like a crack, you know. Right the edge. It's the boundary. And and like what's on the other side of that is like this monster. And, you know, and our tendency is to try to annihilate that. Like that's what right. we do with monsters, right? Is we kill them or we get away from them. We run away from them. And all that does is keeps us within the confines of the boundary of the edge that within the crack. You know, as opposed right. to actually the willingness to see what's on the other side of that, which is a terrifying, scary thing. You know, so there's, there are elements of this, like this work in kind of an anti-racist, anti-oppression space that in our nervous systems, it's threatening, right? It's threatening because so much of our conditioning has told us we're not even supposed to acknowledge this, let alone do anything about it. Right. Certainly don't sit with it. But that's the thing is to actually sit with it is like the idea of that is like, you've got this this beast in front of you, you know, and what do, what do we do with beasts? You know, what do we do with monsters? And so there's, there's something about like the idea of the metabolization of it that is like the relationship with that Cause the the reality is, is like, it, there it, there is something to be threatened and that, th- that thing to be threatened is the way of our, our view of the world, our the way we've been holding the view of the world. If we, we can't survive sitting with it in the same way, we can't be the same after sitting with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Definitely. that's, that's scary, you know? And so then when, when Tammy Simon asked the question, which is one of my favorite moments of the podcast of What about people for people who it's too much? What about the people who it's just too, they're just, it's just too uncomfortable. And, and Resma jumps in. Right. Basically says that's too fucking bad. Like this is the work. There is no room for comfort here.
1: Right. You can't only go when it's comfortable. Right or you can't always wait until you're comfortable or arrange it in all the ways, you know, so that you're comfortable.
0: You might even go as far as to say, you can't go if you're comfortable. Like there's, there's, right. there's like a,
1: right. You can't go
0: if you're comfortable. There's a threshold that you've got to cross. We've got mm-hmm. to cross. I know that there's, there, there's elements of this that I, there are thresholds I've approached and I backed the fuck away from them. In- For Sure. In the, of the, in the midst of this work and I know I've got to cross them at some point but I I know that they're there and I don't think that the that there's any way around it you know if I want to be if I'm committed in this
1: you know it makes me there was a part towards the end of the podcast where they were talking about the Saturday where um, the Saturday was just for black men uh, to be with Resma Bio and orland and um i have the transcript up and Hmm. uh resma said the day without the white gaze the day without the gaze of white folks looking at us is a day when we can be intimate with other black men without that gaze being so prominent and it just really made me feel well it made me feel the harm of the white gaze the the limits I feel kind of what you're, the connection I'm making um, is just all of that kind of speaks to a kind of intimacy, you know, intimacy with myself, you know, to go into something, to be uncomfortable, to take myself into fear and to think of how, when I think of the general white spaces that I hang out in, intimacy is not the word that I would use to describe Mm -hmm. like kind of standard, you know, just the the way of being. And it just feels inaccessible Mm. to me as a, as a body of culture, the white body of culture. Um, Like intimacy is not something we are good at. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, I'm not talking about romantic intimacy, talking more about vulnerability and the closeness that comes through that kind of vulnerability. And so it just makes me, I don't know, it makes me all sorts of things. I mean, that's a huge part of what I think we need to grapple with on our, mm. within ourselves. And when we, when I say build capacity is to build capacity for that intimacy. I think if we're going to have any hope of the kind of relating and metabolizing that we're going to need to do together with others, with people of color, and that feels quite a ways away. There's a lot between that and just being able to make it through a business meeting better together. Mm-hmm. yeah so it's like a huge, huge continuum I'm referring to, but there's that just highlighted that for me mm-hmm. the gap the gap in our capacity to be with one another,
0: yeah, which probably starts with our capacity to be with ourselves right mm-hmm. and to just feel our own experience. And I think it's one of the values of, I don't know going to say. I think it's one of the values of having a, 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 a space, right. A community of people with which to grapple with, you know, to, to be in a, in a, a white caucus space, to be in a, a men's circle, to be in a women's circle or, a, you know, circle of folks who you're aligned with to wrestle with similar questions and, and practice that vulnerability so you can practice it yourself in a collective, but in a, in a space in which you're not likely to be able to truly cause harm.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: In order to be able to like, then, cause I think like there's like, I do think that there's gradations to this. I don't think that either of us are saying like, okay, we should go listen to this podcast and then like, just go into our next client meeting and be like, all right, let's just be together sense. I think that <laughs> no. there's like, there's these like gradations and it's like, it all has to start with our, with our own practice, you know? And what does it mean for, for me as an individual, for you as an individual, for the listener as an individual to say, what am I sitting with? What am I actually able to sit with? What are the, what are the monsters lurking on the edges around me that I could go walk up to and begin to build a relationship with and metabolize whatever there is to metabolize here in my life, in my relationship to these systems of oppression, my role in them, the ways I've benefited from them and the ways I've been harmed by them because we've been harmed by them. Right. And, and so starting where we are, in order to be able to go into our next client meeting, not from a like okay, let's just be together, but from a place that's more felt, that's more connected to the reality of what's going on the, on in the room, because we're more connected to ourselves and being able to feel into the space and actually be able to track what's happening around us.
1: Yes, I'm so I so appreciate that, Greg. So just hearing that, you know, having white caucus space and a practice individually to to understand and do our work around racism and oppression and whiteness and how it lives in us and our trauma stories and so that we can metabolize and learn how to be more deeply with ourselves and with each other and how that that's in service to whatever happens in the room right so i mean what you do in your practice might look similar right but when you bump into something like the presence that you can bring. And then to me, it opens up like a whole different way of responding, right. That I've developed some capacity for a longer, bigger pause, um, and a different reaching for different things in those moments besides my usual tools, which are usually going to be about comfort or progress or fixing or resolving. But now I have some other, they're not tools, uh, some other ways of being, I can, I can bring into the room for a bit until we need to, until we've kind of regulated to the extent that we can, um, to be able to do whatever becomes clear is needed next. Yeah, which isn't always clear, but you're, you know, the group's best, best guess at what what would be the thing to yep. do. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I really appreciate you. Just summarizing it that way.
0: Yeah, I think what you just named is one of the most powerful the the capacity to ask a question or lay an idea down in the center and then sit down and wait and see what emerges building the capacity to be in the discomfort of that silence. Mhm. The really the generative tension of it.
1: Yeah building some capacity to listen to one another and offer some reflection. So you can begin to see and hear, you know, what, what's happening for people. Yeah. I feel like we've sort of hit a, an ending point in a way (laughs) like a come full, come full circle to something we've metabolized something. I feel like Mm. I feel myself feeling kind of like thoughtful and like, yeah, something's coming together that I just want to go be with.
0: Well, I think it's one of the things, right. Is, you know, like you were saying earlier, like the desire to like create some kind of a like direct connect the dots or have some sort of like perfect, like, okay, here's the three, the three uh, learning points that, you know, were made throughout this and summariza- summarizing it summarization. But, but I think that this is, you know, it's one of those things where real learning, and I think we all know this on some level happens like in some mis like m- mysterious um, in between space between yeah. like what we see and what we can actually look at and go like, Oh, okay, these are the words we just used for the last 35 minutes or so. This is what we just talked about. And then like somewhere on the other side of this, is kind of a, uh, in that that's metabolizing, right? Cause it's like mm-hmm. it happens. It doesn't just happen now. It happens. It'll happen over the course of the next however many hours and days.
1: Yeah. And I feel like it, it integrates in a non non-cognitive way. Right. Right. So whatever I might've written down on my takeaways or said into my group space, you know, it's just, it's doing something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that 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 happens. That's what's happening, you know, in our in our work too. So, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and I think it's the. I mean, back to disrupting our practice, right? It's the ongoing, ongoing conversation, ongoing community, ongoing reflection, ongoing reading. You know, listening, and back to being like there are so many other ways to be. Uh, There was like one point in the podcast where he said. I can't remember who said it, like we're living inside curated experiences that we mistake for everything else. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I need to think about that for the next three weeks, you know, but like I inherently understand what, what they were saying. And so it, it feels like that. I mean, I got to get outside of the curation and, and remember that it's not everything else. And there's a million, a million beautiful ways we could be together. It doesn't have to be this way.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a lovely way to, to wrap. Yes. I feel like it would be remiss to not mention the fact that we do actually have some things coming up.
1: We do. And we should support, mention them.
0: <laughs> can support, uh, can support some of the, the, the inquiry and the hopefully metabolization. Yes. Um, we're doing two free workshops, um, August 1st and August 8th, one on each date um, is kind of a taster for our upcoming fall program um, links to both those are in the show notes um, and then our fall program begins september 11th i think it's nine week program disrupting our practice understanding whiteness um, a program for white identified facilitators coaches consultants leaders trainers um, anyone who's holding space in a professional setting Um, you're more than welcome to join us. Check those out on there's links in the show notes to all that.
1: Yeah. Including. And once again, this podcast will link there too. um, And to three black men. Yes. So highly recommend all of it.
0: And if you don't feel like going to the show notes, you can always just go to connectionworks.com and you can find it.
1: Yeah. There you go.
0: And you can always email us with questions, thoughts, comments, concerns, recipes, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm a Greg. recipes. A, yeah, sure. Yeah, Why not. I
1: welcome I welcome recipes.
0: There was a comedian I saw one in, in the eighties who uh came out and said, Any questions, any answers? Anyone care for a mint? And uh that's that stuck with me. Um yeah, so you can you can email me at Greg at dot com or Shannon is at Shannon at connectionworks.com.
1: I always love recipes for chocolate cake. So there you go. There you go. Send me yeah. your best chocolate cake recipe
0: and, then and any Shannon story King.
1: that you want to go with it. And then I'll make it and
0: I'll tell you how it goes. <laughs> and then m- maybe insist that I get to taste it just so. No,
1: that definitely. It goes without saying. we going to metabolize that together.
0: <laughs> there we go. i will metabolize some right. chocolate cake with you.
1: Sounds good. Um,
0: yeah. So thank you for listening.
1: Yeah, very much. And thank you for showing up here every week, Greg, and
0: yeah, having these
1: wandering conversations with me.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Shannon. So appreciate you. And uh, we'll look forward to next time.
1: Sounds good. Bye.
0: Bye.